nice to be uh, with you this evening, and uh, we're going to uh, open by looking at God's Word, a uh, maybe a, a more well-known chapter, at least a few verses that are very well-known to us, and uh, this is Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, and uh, I will read verses 1 through 18. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. This is the word of the Lord. Before we turn our attention to this text... I'd like to uh, think for a moment about some wisdom from a, uh, a child's uh, character in literature. Now, what's interesting about this is I think the adults will know more about this character from children's literature than the children. I have a question right, right here. You don't have to answer. Have you heard of Winnie the Pooh? You have. Oh, good. The rest of you? Yes. Okay, good. So uh, recently, a few months ago, uh, it, Winnie the Pooh, the, the publishing of the first volume of Winnie the Pooh celebrated its 90th anniversary. So uh, I thought we could have a few, a few uh, tips of wisdom from, from Pooh Bear. Uh, a day without a friend is like a pot without a single drop of honey left in it. It is more fun to talk with someone who doesn't use long, difficult words, but rather short, easy words like, what's for lunch? Rivers know this. There is no hurry. We shall get there someday. And uh, the last one. You can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. Some words of wisdom from Winnie the Pooh. 
Now, when we think about wisdom today, in, in today's world, think about what is wisdom, very often people immediately think of videos of people coming out of their uh, haze from wisdom teeth operations, and they laugh at these videos. Uh, wisdom today can be seen as life hacks, or how-tos, or something that is so clever. Well, God's wisdom, the wisdom from God's word, obviously is something deeper. It is something to base your life upon. The starting point of, of wisdom from God's perspective is the Lord reigns. Our God is sovereign. Today, in our culture, the opening statement isn't wisdom. It's just the individual stating, what do I want? What a chasm between the Lord reigns and what do I want? And so we look to God's word for, for grounding, for not just interesting good to-dos for life, and obviously there's, a lots, there's lots of good bits of wise advice out there, but we need to be grounded in, in what is godly wisdom. And uh, so this evening, I'd uh, like to think about wisdom as something that roots our lives, and, and we'll, I'm going I'm to look at three roots okay, that go into ground. The, the leaves are just little interesting little tidbits of wisdom, but the, the roots, uh, three roots. And uh, I want to also think about them in terms of uh, kneeling, standing, and sitting. Uh, kneeling, uh, what do we bow before? Do we bow before God? Or, you know, interestingly, I didn't have to work hard on this, you know, do we bow before money? Or do we bow before, on the other side, the pocket God? What do we bow before? Standing. What do we stand upon in order to make the decisions of our lives? And then sitting, I'm thinking of a peaceful, relaxing sit, a, just a, what do we rest in? Where do we find our hope? So first we begin with God exists. What do we bow before? God exists. Now you might be thinking, hello, we're in church. This is kind of obvious. We got this one. Can we move on to point two? But please stay with me for just a moment. Uh, let's look at the, the text that I read uh, one more time. And uh, I just went through here and, and highlighted some things. Uh, verse four, in the sight of God. Verse five, trust in the Lord. Verse six, submit to him. Another translation, Acknowledge him. Uh, verse 7, fear the Lord. And verse 9, honor the Lord. This passage about wisdom is anchored, obviously, in the idea that God exists. And, and the one I want to focus on the most is verse 7 there, to fear the Lord. Sure, it's easy to say God exists, but what does it mean to fear the Lord? Now, this, this phrase is repeated all throughout Proverbs. I mean, people would say this is the theme or one of the main themes of wisdom in Proverbs, to fear the Lord. 
Now, the word fear can mean a lot of different things, and it can mean a lot of different things in the Bible. And how do we figure out what it means? Okay, kids, you learn this in English and language arts. Context. Okay, context helps us understand what it means. So sometimes in the Bible, fear can mean terrified. I won't scream, okay, but terrified, okay? Sometimes dread, just this awful fear that comes over us and, and what's in the future is just awful, dread. Sometimes it is just awe. And sometimes it means reverence, a holy reverence. Now, here in, in Proverbs, it's not talking about a dread or a terrified. It's, it's not that God scares us and we run away. It is, it is a reverence. However, still the word fear is being used. So it's not just a, I'll be reverent and mind my manners. It is an awesome, trembling reverence that necessarily has an effect on our lives. Um, Have you ever been at home, hopefully at home and not outside, during a violent storm? And then, without warning, there is a crack of thunder that seems right to be right above your house. Yes, have you had this? Yes, amen, right? Now, when this thunder happens, do you go, Oh my, that was loud. I think I will be scared now. Ah! No, you don't. It is instantaneous. It is automatic. It happens. And then your actions are automatic as well. Like, well, my wife, she runs and hugs me. That's nice. Uh, no, but, you know, the dog do runs, you know, and, or you, oh, in the basement, or you go like this, or, you know, whatever. Hug the parents. Oh my. This is scary, you know. The reason why I bring this up is I don't want to say the fear of the Lord is just a simple little, oh, it's reverence. Again, it is an awesome, shall we say, trembling reverence that has an effect. And you know you're living in the fear of the Lord. If If there's an automatic effect in your life and a response, Now, what's wonderful about this, about the fear of the Lord, is the fear of the Lord is combined with the love of God. So that's the difference. Other things can scare us, and we want to run away, separate ourselves from the bad. But here in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is something that is trembling before a powerful, holy God, and at the same time, this gracious God reaches out to us in love. Now, how do you know you're living in the fear of the Lord? And we all need to grow in this, of course. I would say there's two ways. First, you become more and more aware of God's presence. More aware of God's presence. Consciously aware. You're in the the middle of something, and you're, you're just aware of God's presence. And because of your awareness in God's presence... It will move you to obedience. It will move you to loyalty, to submission before Almighty God. And this happens in every aspect of our life, at every time of our life, being aware of God's presence. And so this evening, we get it. 
Yes, God exists. But as we read about a wise life, I pray that the Spirit of God is working in your heart. How is God moving you to a place of greater awareness of God's presence and response to that presence? To have wisdom in uncertain times means to live in the fear of the Lord. God exists. Now, for each of my points, I would like to close each point with a very brief prayer. And uh, this is something that that we all need. So I'm going to uh, invite you to respond in this prayer, uh, to repeat. So I will say a phrase, and then if you can repeat uh, this uh, phrase for this prayer. Now, this point, I wanted to think about kneeling. I'm not going to ask you to kneel. Uh, This would be rather difficult, right? For some of you, it may be difficult to get up as well. So um, just stay seated, of course. And uh, maybe, maybe you just bow your head, and it's, a, it's in your heart, kneeling, all right? So uh, let's pray, and I, I invite you to repeat after me. Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. Forgive us for ignoring you. Help us to worship in the fear of the Lord. Help me to live in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. The next way we can live with wisdom in uncertain times is to live with moral absolutes, or to declare that moral absolutes exist. And uh, if you look at the text here, verse, verse 1, uh, do not forget my teaching. Verse 1, keep my commands. Uh, verse 5 again, trust in the Lord, implying that God's way is the best way, so trust in the Lord. And then verse 7, shun evil. Or in other words, turn away from evil. Moral absolutes exist. This is really important because we live in a world where increasingly people are leaving the idea that there, are, there is a system of right and wrong outside of us. And people increasingly are accepting the idea that what is right and wrong is based on what society says and or what the individual feels. I will decide, society will decide what is right and wrong, rather than from outside of us, there is a right and wrong established by God. It's very important in wisdom to understand that moral absolutes exist. So things have changed today. For instance, here are some Morals, lack of morals today. The lack of self-control is not necessarily bad. The lack of self-control is not necessarily bad. Now, I may step on some of your toes. Binge-watching. Binge-watching. I mean, why are we letting Netflix and Xfinity preach to us and say, it is a wonderful thing for your life to binge-watch? Who, who, who came up with this one? Well, it's not God's word. 
the point is, I, I don't want to get legalistic with that, but the point is, God calls us to have self-control and to be controlled by God's spirit. That's what God calls us to, not lack of self-control. Another one, if I can get away with it, then it's all right. A little swearing is not a big deal. Just keep it away from the children. What you do in private is no one else's business, so I can do whatever I want. The more, the better. The more, the better. The more money, the better. The more fun, the better. The more fame, the better. The more likes on social media, the better. The more, the better. As I was thinking about this, I thought of uh, this psalm, and uh, I rephrased verses 1 through 4 for a young politician from the world's perspective. Okay, so what I'm going to read now is, is wrong, okay? It's for a young politician from the world's perspective. My son, do not forget my teaching and keep my advice in your heart, for they will keep you elected for many years and bring you lots of money. Let flattery and political cunning never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the iPad, I mean the tablet of your heart. Then you will win elections and political paybacks in the sight of the electorate and in the sight of deep pocket donors. This is the way people think in our world. Now, the Bible. Moral absolutes. And with God's word, we are not just to learn them. We are to remember them. And we're not just to remember them. We are to remember them all the time. Fascinating. I just read an article, and I wasn't even planning to use it for this message. It was a, um, a psychological experiment about cheating. And if people give, are given the opportunity to cheat, will they cheat? So people were given a test, a difficult, kind of difficult test, 20 questions. The average score was 8 out of 20. Then they gave the test to another group, and they said, oh, and you get money for every question right. forgot to mention that. Okay, so you get money for every question you get right. So 8 out of 20 was the average. They gave the test to another group, and this group, they said... After you take the test, you will score yourself and then shred your answers. And then you tell us. And guess what the average was? It was 13 point something was the average. Why? I don't know why they thought of this. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. I don't know why they thought of this, but they did. They read the Ten Commandments to another group, and then they gave the test. And, the, and then they could, they could uh, grade themselves and shred it. And the people were more honest. They were more honest when they heard these, these morals, these moral absolutes, when they heard the Ten Commandments. We don't just learn them, we remember them. We don't just remember them, we remember them all the time in our lives. This is a life of wisdom. And uh, when we, we, we live this, 
we need to think and we need to pass on how beautiful and freeing God's moral absolutes are. Uh, anybody have a dog? Pets? Dogs? Yes? Yes? Oh, okay, good. Okay. Now, listen to me here. All right? Very often, we think of obeying God like we're on a leash. Okay? And the dog tries to run. Go, come back here. You can't go. Oh, no, you can't go there. No, walk on this side. Don't sniff at that. No, it's a leash. Okay? No. That is not God's commands. God's commands is like a fence. It is like a dog park. Will you take the dog... You unhook the leash, and you say, go run. Go enjoy doggy dog world. And you stay within the fence because you know that's more safe for the dog. God's moral absolutes are beautiful and wonderful and add to human flourishing. And, and too bad when people think it's a leash just pulling you back. It is a fence to protect us when we, when we run through this life that God has given us. When we walk in God's commands, this is an obvious, logical next step from the fear of the Lord. And living in the fear of the Lord, we, we do things to obey, and we don't do things to avoid sin. So, for instance, faithfulness, uh, to live a faithful life. You, you live in faithfulness with with friends. You're faithful to your friends. You're faithful to family members and, and to church community. You, you live in this. And at the same time, you don't gossip about people. You don't speak unkind. You forgive. You are not unforgiving. And I must add, in this world in which we live, you do not, you do not commit social media bullying as well, posting unkind things about others online. Uh, Living a pure life, living a pure life, we are involved in all the activities and responsibilities that God has given us in our school, in our work, in our family, in in hobbies, in in sports, or or whatever. We're involved with a pure life. And you see there, verse 7, at the same time, we, we shun or turn away from evil. Do you know, quite frankly, I have too many students that when it comes to discernment, because we're, we're exposed to evil in this world. I mean, you can read it in books or movies, and of course you're discerning in what you see and, and read, but still, it's there. What do Christians do with that? We discern, we rejoice with the good, And we go, oh, we identify the evil, and we say, this is wrong, this is bad. I have too many students that are simply entertained by evil, and they run towards the evil in their mind saying, well, I don't do that bad thing, but really I certainly enjoy watching that bad thing. It's a tricky thing in this world in which we live, and we need to think and discern carefully about how God is calling us to live with moral absolutes. I have a, a, a prayer to uh, conclude this point. Uh, this, the idea of this point is, is, is standing. Okay, now you couldn't kneel, but you can stand. Okay? But the point is, we stand in our life 
on God's word, his moral absolutes, and this is what we use to make decisions. Uh, So for this prayer point, uh, I would invite you to stand and uh, please repeat this prayer after me. Let's pray. God of truth and justice, We thank you for the revelation of your word. We thank you for your commands. Forgive us when we lack trust in you. May we trust in your way. May we obey your word. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So wisdom for uncertain times, to live in the fear of the Lord God exists, live with moral absolutes, and then uh, finally, hope exists. Hope exists. Uh, Let's look at the the text. Uh, Verse 2, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Verse 4, then you will win favor and a good name. Verse 6, he will make your path straight. Verse 8, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And 10, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. A blessed life, a blessed life, a blessed life. So what does it mean to have a blessed life? Well, obviously, this passage was written in the Old Testament. God's kingdom was a nation. What What did it mean to have a blessed life as an Israelite? Well, one way to think about it is is simply four things. One, you had land to live on. This was the promised land. This was your land. Two, you had family. Family that grew and passed on the faithful tradition. This is why genealogies can figure so prominently in the Old Testament. I mean, for you and I, it is not exciting reading. For the Israelites, this was a testimony to God's faithfulness and blessing that the family line continued. So land, family, and then peace. Israel was located in what I would safely say the most fought-over parcel of real estate on planet Earth. Even to this day, people are still fighting over that tiny little spit of land in the Middle East. So if you had peace, oh, what a blessing, peace. And then fourth was lots of food. Lots of, and you even see it in the text here. Lots, if you had lots of food, abundant harvest, this was a blessing. Now what about us after the cross in New Testament times? Well, there, are, there are, are preachers who will take these Old Testament blessings and apply them to us. We typically uh, call these uh, you know, prosperity gospel preachers, the health and wealth thing. But in the New Testament, God gives us blessings, very rich, abundant blessings. May the full riches of Christ Jesus be upon you. You are... You are not alone. As believers in Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. 
And there is a promise of eternal life. And in this eternal life, that will be the time with a new body, a new life where sin is gone. And we will live out a life without sickness and death. Promise of eternal life. So blessings are very real, but now God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom and is not a literal nation. And so we embrace these promises that we read about after Jesus came. These promises are to give us hope. To give us hope. Hope exists. Now, one of the reasons, to be honest with you, why I titled the sermon Hope for Uncertain Times, okay, just full disclosure, I was thinking about the election coming up, okay, uncertain times. And uh, I was thinking about America, the United States, and wisdom. Now, I want to say that we should not be lazy citizens. It is honoring to God to be informed and engaged. And like we did tonight, it is a good thing to pray, to pray a lot for our country. Needs it. This is good. However, at the end of the day, our hope is not to rest in the outcome of a presidential election. That is not where our hope lies. I've heard a phrase, maybe you have, make America great again, anybody? You've heard of this, yes? Well, I will humbly submit my opinion on how to make America great again. I really really think this is true. I, I think you would as well. Make America great again is for a greater critical mass of Americans to return to the Judeo Christian ethic. That's what I, I think will, will truly make America great again. Um, we're not going to hear that <laughs> out there. What we do hear out there is this, this competition in elections, and uh, something that's very common today is, is to create fear among the electorate. And this is not the fear of the Lord. This is to scare people that if this person is elected, then this will happen in the next four years. America will return to the Dark Ages, medieval times, okay? Or if this person is elected, then America will return to the Dark Ages, and it's going to be simply apocalyptic awful. I mean, the exaggeration that is used. What's kind of interesting is I was reading in in, uh, the gospel according to John and a verse just jumped out at me, probably because of the election. I've read this verse before, but somebody in the Sanhedrin was using the exact same tactic that American politicians use today. So I just, I got to share this with you, okay? Um, It's from John chapter 11. The context is Jesus has just performed one of his most uh, public, well-known miracles, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The Bible says 
that when Lazarus was raised from the dead, it was very public, and many Jews believed in Jesus when they saw that. Because of this, an emergency meeting of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Religious Council, got together. And it was in that meeting where this verse is found, John eleven forty eight, And somebody says this, If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Okay? Now, now comes the disaster. If everyone believes in him, then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. If we do nothing, we are done. The Romans will kill you. Is using fear for the future to get to try to manipulate people to do something right now. Fortunately, this type of fear does not have to control us at all. And it is a good reminder because we hear this all the time in the news, a reminder, where does my hope lie? You know, one of my uh, personal favorite hymns, my hope is built on nothing less than the election of the president. Whoa, I'm sorry. No, that, wrong lyrics. No, no. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This is what we stand upon. This is where our hope lies. What a blessing it is. Yes, we are engaged citizens, but no, our hope does not rest on the future of America. Okay, I don't hope this happens. I don't think this will happen. But worst case scenario, America drops into the worst depression has ever seen, the economy tanks, and we're no longer strong in the world. Okay, worst case scenario, guess what? Our hope is strong. Our hope is vibrant and real because it is not in the government. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. For uh, this prayer, and, uh, and this prayer will be our, our closing prayer for this message. Uh, I had Neil, what do we bow before, stand, what do we stand upon in making decisions? And, and this is sit, and uh, sitting in a relaxed, peaceful kind of way. You could picture yourself at home, and uh, maybe your favorite chair. And uh, it's been a long day, and you sit down, and you're just... And uh, the idea is, I need some peace. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I need some hope. And so uh, please pray with me. Once again, I'll pray, and I invite you to respond, uh, to repeat after me. Sovereign God, ruler of all, this world is in your hands. This nation is under your control. We are yours. Our hope is in you. Please strengthen and grow your church. The body of Christ throughout the world. Amen. Amen. 
my friends, may you live this week kneeling before God and living in the fear of the Lord. May you make decisions that are confident and solid because they're based on God's commands, moral moral absolutes. And may the promises of God's word be ever real in your heart so that you live with hope. Amen. Amen.